Hello and welcome to an all new episode of Men and Women Talk, the Mars Venus Show. I am one of your hosts, Kente, all the way live from Los Angeles, California. And this is episode number 144. And I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, the one and only Shannon. How are you doing, Shannon? I am good. How are you? How was the weekend? Man, weekend was busy. Um, got to do quite a bit of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh was lazy one of the days and, and very productive the other day. So okay. uh, it was a good weekend, you know? What about yours? Well, I just ended a three-week, no days off work streak. So I'm getting ready to enjoy this week off. You know what? I can see that in your face. Wow. You okay. look like you, yeah, you look like it. You know, just to get, not to go off on a tangent, but man, if we could just have clones of ourselves, wouldn't that be great? <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> oh my God. I just, you know what? I, I, if I just get one good clone, put his butt to work, you know, and then I can do what I really, really, really want to do all the time. I'm, I'm good with that. I'll be 100% good with that. So, yeah, but you know, that's that's me though. That's that's in my little bird brain. Um, so we today we are blessed to have uh, a guest who I've been wanting on the show for a long time. Uh, I've known this young lady for a quite a long time. Um, we have something in common: our love of hip hop, and uh, not only a love for hip hop music, but a love for the classic era hip hop music, and. When I found out that she was um, putting her love uh, out there for the world, uh, I had to have her on to talk about it. And uh, also what's so great is the show I actually initially wanted to do with her was about etiquette, because this young lady used to teach etiquette. We talked, we've had conversations quite a bit about etiquette and uh, in our society and whatnot. So um, I know this lady under a different name. (laughs) (laughs) Now she has a a different, a totally different uh, name that she goes by. I mean, not totally different, quite different. So I'm going to let this lady introduce herself. Uh, (laughs) What's your your stage name now? Malika Sheik. Malika Sheik. Uh, Now, I like that. It's, It's Sheik. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I, and and I'm just so happy to have you here. And uh, not only, um, and you are dibbling and dabbling in a lot of different venues and really letting your creative juices come out. And I really appreciate that about you. So just for some, for those who don't know uh, much about you, just kind of give a little bit of background on who you are. Okay, uh, once again, my name is Malika Sheik. I'm a native of Southern California. To be more exact, I'm from South Central LA. Right now, I currently reside in a small little town called Paris, California in Riverside County, 70 miles east of LA County. And I have worked in various, I guess you could say, uh, nonprofit organizations. And I have also in the past, I had a small business where I taught etiquette to kids ages 
three to 18 years old. And I did it in a church setting in, uh, I guess you could say a one-on-one -on -one setting, Girl Scouts as well. And I also did it in um, girl homes, like a group home as well. So I did that that for a while too. Now, unfortunately, when the economy took a dive in 2000, what was that? Nine, 10? Um, the business, yeah, 2010, I believe. The business, uh, it, it didn't go well. I start, you know, I start losing clients because unfortunately my business is considered that extracurricular activity that's not needed where that'd be the first things that parents would probably take away. And they're like, oh, I could get you a book and I could do it myself or you read the book. So, or, and then some of the programs um, like the Girl Scouts, you know, they were losing also Girl Scouts as well at, at that time. So they started teaching it themselves to their crew of girls. I should say troop of girls. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, we're going to get really heavy into into that. And I'm going to ask you, and I'm sure Shannon has a lot of questions, too, about that specifically. But um, one of the things that, you know, we often, me and you have talked about is, uh, as I said in the, in the beginning of the show, is our love for hip hop music. And, right. Um, so you're working on a series right now where you d delve deep into that and where it came from. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, I'm on Instagram. Instagram is a new platform for me. And so uh, my platform is called PMS and it stands for Politics Money Society. So you can find me on Instagram at underscore PMS 247 underscore. And what I'm doing right now is a whole rap series and I call it My First Love Rap Music. So I broke it down into the first the first episode is how old I was when I first heard rap, which I was five, what song I heard, uh, what group it was, who exposed it to me, which it was the first rap song I ever heard was, um, it was by, uh, sorry, brain freeze. It was by the Sugar Hill Gang. Mm -hmm. And my uncle Clarence was the one that exposed me to it. And I was five years old. And I just remember my little ears was just so excited when I first heard it. Because back then, I remember I used to love disco music. And so when I first heard the, the, the Sugar Hill Gang uh, rap song, I just, I got excited because I was like, oh, it sounds like disco is in it. But then it's something else different. And so every since that first exposure to the Sugar Hill Gang, I've just been a fan of rap music. If if you remember, the early hip hop was heavy di disco influence because we kind of just, like you said, we just get, came out of that era or right. we're still in it. So a lot of the uh, samples and a lot of the um, the music came, you know, it was, you know, disco was uh, heavily influenced. Right. And, uh, I think disco gets a bad rap. It does. I, there's a lot of great disco tunes, and I think because people always have such a negative feel feel about mm -hmm. disco, but you know, if you really think about it, there's a lot of great music in the disco genre, and your early hip hop definitely um, 
Grab from Disco. Yeah, from Disco, yeah. And uh, so it's the Sugar Hill Gang, you know, who I think they had the first hit song. Yes, they did. They had the first hit song that kind of uh, really kind of start to expose America to to rap. That not quite mainstream America, but a lot of Americans. Right. Right. And then um, so after after you, you know, fell in love with the Sugar Hill Gang, what were some of the other groups that you or artists that you started to fall in love with? So after Sugar Hill Game, and I'm just going to try to create a timeline, the next group I started falling in love with was Beanie. Friends, One Love. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they not only, to me, it was like now the rap game had a little bit more kind of like, um, still a little disco, but I, I was starting to hear some funk and... I was hearing bass and they were now dancing more. So I really did enjoy Houdini. You know, Houdini too. Like I love Houdini as well. Still love them. They, they had that, you know, people forget like they were really huge in their time and they had some, some of the, the greatest, you know, songs that still live to this day, but I don't feel like they get their just due. They don't. Yeah, I don't think people when they a lot of times when they talk about the early stages of hip hop, they kind of breeze over Houdini, but they were, you know, they were a super group in during their time. They were a super group and they uh, other rappers came from them mm-hmm. as well because other rappers used to be their uh dancers. Right. And and a lot of people tend to forget that they that other upcoming East Coast rappers used to be their dancers and then used to open up for them. So they, they don't get their credit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they're definitely one of the greats. Uh, and I believe they are all still alive and still performing to this day. Yeah. Um, They're alive. Uh, now, Jalil, I know he lives in Atlanta mm-hmm. and I believe he does, um, he, he, I think he does like uh, like work in the studio and help other artists and help them create music. Um, and I think he also works in anime as well, I believe. Oh, wow. The other two, I'm not for certain what they are actually doing. Oh, okay. I can, I can when I saw that they were still performing. So, but um, so many artists are, are still on the circuit. Like, those old yeah, they school, are. yeah, those old school um uh concerts, they're like doing very well. And that is true. Mm-hmm. Like it's the beginning of this year, uh, or midway towards the year, I saw Slick Rick, I saw JJ Thad, they're still out there, sound the same. Uh, I saw the the Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, they're still out there. Yeah. And that's one thing I love about you too. You will ha- go to a show in a minute, man. Like it reminds me, like back in the day, I used to go to shows all the time, but uh, you go to the shows now, and you, you know, that is so cool. Like we're gonna get into some of the shows you've seen recently, you know what I mean? But uh, okay. yeah, but uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. So okay, so um, now the '90s, right? The golden era. Most people with sense will tell you. 
that's when some of the 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 best music uh, as far as hip hop genre was was made who who in your estimation or or give me some names of artists that you feel like really defined the 90s era when it comes to hip hop oh wow well you you definitely have to say dre snoop tupac you have to say biggie you also the wu-tang clan you also have to say um, LL. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so many. You also have to say Heavy, heavy D. Heavy D. I was gonna say my man. What, what did you say, Shannon? That's my man. Yes, Heavy D. You have to say Big Daddy Kane, mm-hmm. Queen Latifah, Yo-Yo. Because before her, and I tried to research this, I I can't find any other solo female rapper that came out first from the West Coast besides Yo-Yo. So you you have to put her kind of on the map because Mm -hmm. she did, because before her, I knew of no other West Coast female rapper. Yeah. You know, from California. I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, no, there. yeah, Yo-Yo. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And yes. going oh, back, you know, going back in the way back machine, when she came out, I mean, she came out hard, you know, exactly. you know, uh, she you know, obviously was uh, produced by Ice Cube. And, you know, that first album was called Stomping into the 90s. And it had the classic song. You can't play with my yo yo. Right. <laughs> that's, right. That's my joint. Yeah, that's a great song. <laughs> My oh, my favorite yeah. my favorite little part my favorite part in there is that she goes I st- I keep a cat in my purse <laughs> <laughs> I love it that yeah that's a that's one of the uh the great songs of the nineties but other <laughs> other classic rap group of course oh sorry I didn't mean no no come here no you're good mm-hmm. But other uh, rap artists from the 90s, you had Brand Nubian, mm-hmm. Diggable Planets. That's my group. The Fuji. Mm-hmm. I love, yes, Diggable Planets. And uh, also you had, um, you had, uh, it's, I really, really, really enjoyed. And I kind of think uh, this group was kind of looked over um I'm, I'm trying to remember the name is the guy he died a uh, guru oh gangstar yeah gangstar, gangstar. they were the greatest groups of all times yeah exactly man don't let me start bumping some gangstar right now okay <laughs> i love gangstar yeah like th- yeah they didn't get their due really until way later um right. i mean like you know where they actually made some money and whatnot yeah but um no they were always critically acclaimed and yeah they one of the great groups of all time they you know all their albums are like amazing yeah now one group you didn't mention outcast no i love out you didn't mention outcast but i love outcast but my favorite group of all time you did you just didn't mention them who is that tribe called quest 
Oh, shoot. Yes. Hands down. Tribe Call Quest. How can I forget that? Definitely. They can. They contribute a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Tribe Call Quest and De La Soul are like. De La Soul. Yeah. They, they're, they changed. They changed the game. In, and Miss Ellie. Yeah. In ways that people didn't realize. Like, Missy Elliott really, Yeah. So, yeah. Missy Elliott is dope. Um. So let me ask this question though. Uh, I'm gonna put you on the spot. Who who would you say is the greatest female rapper of all time? Any coast on the East Coast? Any coast? Oh, in any coast, MC Light. MC Light. Okay, I can I can't argue with that. Uh, I believe Lauren Hill is the greatest female rapper of all time. People always people will use oh she didn't do as much. I'm like wait a minute. She has the the two Fuji's albums. She has Three of her own, if you count the double CDS two, and then um, and uh, the album, um, oh my God, Miseducation, okay. to say that she's the greatest. Yeah, I know she don't show up on time. Okay, <laughs> you know, but I, I, I would say if you listen to the Mystery of Iniquity, it's hands down she's the greatest. Like, okay. you know, but MC Light, I've always say that she's right there. You know, she's at longevity and skill. And she really, I think she upped the game of the female MC in hip hop. Of course, yeah. definitely. So, so maybe there wouldn't be a Lauren Hill without MC Light. So you can look at it that way too. But um, yeah, so, but MC Light though, I mean, I can't argue with MC Light. MC Light is a gold standard. And what is she, is she like sacrificing babies or something? Because if you get her lately, she looks better. She's like, uh, she looks way better than she's ever looked in her life. I mean, it wasn't like she was atrocious before, but like she looks wonderful. Like whatever she's doing, what, is she sacrificing something? Or she she not sacrificing babies. Can't say stop it. <laughs> I'm like, wow, man. I mean, she's like, I don't. I wouldn't say that she was like. Guys weren't like, oh, she's so hot back in the. day. Right, but now the dudes are like, Man, she's hot, <laughs> you know. So, <laughs> so age has been great for her, so for sure. Which, yeah, it has been her and Queen Latifah. Yeah, I would say Queen Latifah. Uh, I you can she looks better than she did when she was younger, so but they were both kind of had that tomboyish look, too. right? That because you know, back then, late 80s. Early 90s, you're trying to be a female MC. They were going by the guy's macho mentality. You couldn't come out and be, you couldn't be a little Kim or Foxy Brown back then and, and try to be a, a MC because no one was going to really try to take you seriously in the late 80s or early 90s. No, they that definitely shifted. Um, the way that female MCs got down and the way that they um they uh you know, we're seeing I to me, my third favorite female artist is Ladybug Mecca from Digable Planet. Oh yeah. Yes. She is ridiculous. Like like and I think she's yes. overlooked because they only did like two albums, but she's done a lot of stuff since then on her own. But she is so sick with it lyrically. Yeah. And if you go back and listen to those Digable Planet albums, and because the guys are great. But like overshine, like she is, it's very similar to the dynamic with the Fugees, where Lauren Hill kind of overshadowed the the fellas in the group, the two guys in the group. Right. Um, 
but I would say Diggable Planets, the guys were way better than uh, the t- the guys. I'm talking about lyrically in uh, the Fugees, you know. Oh, most definitely. You know? And I feel, you know, without Diggable Planets, it probably it wouldn't have been any Fugees because, and if the Diggable Planets wouldn't have broken up, they would have really been the ones that c- would have been considered the great ones instead of the Fugees. I, I definitely agree. Um, and you know they're back together. They're touring back together. But you know what's so what's so crazy to me though is you see these acts that came that were around when we were coming up, and they're all gray beard and they're looking like m- right. mothers and grandmothers, and, and uh, <laughs> it, it just makes you feel old. You see, like I saw them performing the Diggable Planets. Uh-huh. Uh, they look uh, like kind of geriatric a little bit, and they were you know. And, <laughs> I'm just like, oh my God, y'all making me feel old, you know. I mean, they look good for old, you know, for uh oh, I mean people. yeah, for old people. <laughs> I didn't mean that uh, that way, but you know, but uh it just was so funny though to see them and it's like dang, uh, I mean we're probably around the same age. It's like, oh god, right. Do I look that old when I'm out there in the streets? <laughs> you know. <laughs> no, uh, but it, it is funny. Um, can you remember the first concert you went to? The first concert I went to, it wasn't a rap. The It was in seventh grade. My uncle Michael took me when I was in seventh grade. And it was at uh, Universal. Uh, at Universal. And I, it was Cameo. And the opening performance was Atlantic Star. Oh wow! And you said you were how old? I was in seventh grade, so that had to be like eighty, eighty-seven, I think. Wow! Wow! Yeah, um, I've said this on my on this show before, or maybe it could have been after show. The first show I went to, it was MC Hammer, mm. and uh, you know what? I don't care what you say, man. He puts on a great show. I was like, no, I, I like MC Hammer because. I've always liked him and I don't know why they used to rag on him because he had that uh, funk party music, that James Brown vibe. It, all the family could get on the dance floor and have a good time. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I don't know why people used to hate on his music. Yeah, I, You know, back in hip hop, it was kind of like this thing was the more successful you were, the more people came at you. Whereas it seems like it's flip flop now. It's like now your weight is based on your success. So, um, cause it was almost like the gold artists were the real artists and the platinum artists were the sellouts or whatever, you know, in a way. So, yeah. you know, so that's the kind of what was going on. Do you remember, uh, Shannon, your first concert? Um, related to hip hop? Or just in general. Well, I mean, my first concert, probably yes, but my first hip hop concert was uh, Twista. Twista, really? Oh, wow. Twista, okay. All right, all right. Wow. Uh, I've never seen Twista live before. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, interesting. All right, so um, now, when we start talking about, like, the greatest MCs that ever existed, um, th- you know, there's a lot of debate on who it is or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just throw out who I think the greatest MC is, and it's Rakim. He's 
he is the greatest rapper of all time because to me he's like if you have a timeline of hip-hop music seeing was concerned like the big big bang or whatever you want to call it in hip-hop was when he came out because there was rap before him to someone who wasn't there how important his music is. you know uh just i mean his lyric i mean if when you go back and listen to it now it's like he was spitting this like no one was spitting like him before oh, him you know they had great mcs like him like traveling like since speeds across the universe like people were like what the hell is he talking about you know so uh that's me who who are some of your favorite MCs of all time lyrically? Well, you're actually right about Rakim. Um, he is to me also my favorite MC of all times, and you're also right about before Rakim. Yeah, you you had good rappers like Melly Mel, and uh, you had uh, let me see, you had a uh, Kumo D. Cause he came before Rakim as well. You had a lot of good rappers that were before him. However, it wasn't until Rakim came along because Rakim had this melodic flow and he was lyrical and he was not only melodic, lyrical, he was educating you with this kind of street uh, melodic groove behind it. And he was just cool about it. And he wasn't out there. Because remember how the early rappers used to kind of dress crazy? Yeah. He he was, he came out like a like a cool dude, laid back, sweatsuit, tennis shoes. Gold, fat gold chains and all of that. Fat gold chain. He even kind of came with a new, like, uh, uh, he kind of entered an uh, updated B-boy look. Right. That's what I say he came out with. So he did change the game and his flow made all other rappers that preceded him and after him, if they were going to try to come out with something, they now had to kind of step their game up. It couldn't be no more of this like little elementary rhyming rap. Yeah. It couldn't be. If you want just a, I mean, there's so many representations of his skill, but like kind of, one of his early ones, I ain't no joke. Like, just you know, when you listen to the lyric, I mean, the beat is dope, of course, but lyrically, it's just you know, man, you get goosebumps listening to Rakim. So yeah, he, he's one of the the definitely. The, I think he is the greatest in my estimation. Um, oh yeah. Now my number two, I would say, is Karis One, um, and they are the two most quoted MCs of all time. Uh, Karis One. You know, I mean, his impact on hip hop music is so vast. You know what he was able to do with, um, you know, he he took the the diss song to uh, the next level. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? And uh, and he, you know, he's another one of those who uh, who taught as well as um, you know rhyme. He's. I would say he's probably part of my part. He's. Carrots one would be probably in my number five or top ten, possibly. Yeah, he he is. I would probably say 
Yeah, he would probably be number two or three for me. I, I really love I love his rhyme. I think he's dope. I saw KR KRS one probably about four five years ago, I believe it was, and he still got it. Yeah. He still got it. Yeah, I remember he said something like every year he makes diss songs for all the rappers in the top ten, just in case they want to start something. So. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah, he's like, every year he just sees who the top ten are, and he has it ready, locked and loaded. So he's the old, he's that b the old school b boy, um, just way about him even till to this day. And they call him the teacher. So, um, now, uh, one thing that a rapper like LL Cool J was able to do was he had this thing, and I think Tupac probably took it to even another level this thing where the like the ladies like him mm-hmm. ladies love him. right fellas like him too he kind of had that um that you know that thing i don't know what you want to call it because he was like one of the, i think he was the first one to do the the hip-hop love songs right with the, i need love yeah, he was. One. i need love and um so like, what do you think about like uh, someone like L. Cool J, who kind of, you know, had that that thing, you know, that uh, the ladies like him, and also, you know, he had the fellas respect too. And and to, and it's good you brought that. This is a good question because now that I'm kind of thinking about it, and I think about the early stages of rap, you either had where. Oh, only the guys like this particular rapper and the girls like this particular rapper. But LL did receive love from everyone. And I think one, because he had that that one love song mm-hmm. and the girls really felt him. So anything else that he came out with, they just liked it. Plus he was showing his chest and his muscles. So he had, he brought, I think he was really the first rapper to bring in sex appeal right well because he brought in that sex appeal you had and then he was young too because he started at 16 17 yeah so he was the youngest rapper and our generation coming up into the late like 80s and 90s up on rap especially as a young you know young teenager we were gravitating to him because he was on also the covers. You got to think they had magazines back then. He was on the cover of the teen magazine. So, of course, young women were going to gravitate to him. You know, um, the, you know the song, I'm That Type of Guy? Yes. The video. I, I still remember that video. I haven't seen it in a long time. But uh, have you ever, you know that song, Shannon? I'm That Type of Guy? It's, it's such a funny video. Where the whole whole video, he's like this cat burglar and he's breaking into this house and he's doing all this stuff to break into this house. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the video, he finally gets to the vault. And then you're thinking he's about to get some diamonds and jewelry or whatever. He opens up the vault and in the vault is like a bunch of women. (laughs) (laughs) And that's It's like, oh, that's what he was breaking in for, right? To get the vault. Yeah, it's a good, but you know, it's funny when you listen to the lyrics of the song, it's very a douchebaggy song, <laughs> you know. It is. <laughs> it's so douchebaggy. It's like, you know, it's like, you know, that kind of talk to get your ass whipped. 
Hell no. <laughs> so, hey, Dre. <laughs> yeah. So, but no, it's a. It, it was definitely he. You know, he had that uh, jingling baby, and uh, you know, around the way, girl. I want a girl with extensions in here, bamboo earrings, at least two pair. Yeah, all of that stuff. Still remember it like it was yesterday. So. Yeah, because he made like Tupac, I believe, really followed his pattern where he made songs for the women and the men. He was like really the first one. Yeah. Yeah. And Tupac, he really like did it on another level where it's hard to be that guy that the chicks love and the fellas love too, you know, because we be. Right. You know, we don't like those guys generally. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh man, this clown, <laughs> look at this fool with his shirt off. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like you like this? You be like talking to your woman. Like, you like this? This really is what you like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but uh right. but um Tupac was able to do it because you couldn't not respect Tupac, you know, as a dude. Mm-hmm. So he was like, you know, he just had that, you know, he was smart, man. Cause his first album didn't really didn't really tap into that but it was it was old even though it was a great record but that second one strictly for my inwards uh you know that one because you had the, the great song i get around which is you know you know that's the joint right there you know that yeah of all times <laughs> also um um also keep your head up too was on that same joint so you know you right had, uh you know the, the the two things there but one thing that was great about the 90s is you had a lot of positive hip-hop in the early part of the night yeah. yeah so let's kind of talk about some of that of course we mentioned karis one boogie down productions they obviously that but then you had public enemy and the x clan jungle, jungle brothers. brothers yes so, uh, let's, let's kind of go there uh chuck d underrated i think he's underrated as an mc Uh, Mm -hmm. and the movement that they had going on early on especially it kind of crystallized with um fight the power you know um that which was like the anthem you know Uh, but i i always say in my top well my second favorite hip-hop album all the time is uh it takes a nation of millions to hold us back and that is just like that album is so good and it meant so much at the time and uh you know um black steel in the hour of chaos one of the great rap songs of all time um great video i mean their music videos was before its time and just what they were able to do you know is just amazing what what do you what's your take on uh public enemy public enemy they were something that was i felt that was really needed in the late 80s and early 90s i because it was coming a point to where i guess you could say and i hate to say this but there it seems like it's always this period where in black culture where we start having another awakening Mm -hmm. and they were part of that whole kind of like awakening era because you got to think you know they came out around the time of when school days came out, it's the Cosby show, a different world, black colleges are being uh, pumped up more now through a different world. 
you have a lot of young black youth looking at that. Now you have Public Enemy coming out. Uh, rap music is becoming more popular now. And that's on the scene. Now you have Public Enemy. They are, it's not only rapping about, you know, the fun times, good times, not elementary rap. It's political rap. Yeah. And it had a, a, a good political meaning behind it. And people would say, oh, well, they're just talking about Black people. But when you really listen to their music, hey, they bringing in everybody. Because they're talking, when they say fight, fight the powers that be, mm -hmm. that's for everybody. Yeah. That's not excluding anyone. Right, right. Yeah, and that was part of their message is that, we, man, we all got this thing, you know, crushing on top of us. So, yeah. so yeah, they they were definitely uh, something. And it, it meant a lot to me coming up, just growing up, you know, um, they definitely were a huge influence on myself. So, uh, and I know I wasn't the only one. So it was tons of people that were, that were, uh, you know, that they were a big influence too. And to this day, Chuck D's still doing his thing. And, um, you know, he's doing, you know, in a lot of different ways, he's, uh, he is, um, uh, you know, putting his gifts out there into the world. So, no, that's pretty good. And X-Clan, um, a lot of people don't remember X-Clan. Um, X-Clan, they were like next level, man, with it, with it, man. Right, Van Glorious yeah. <laughs> with the keys. <laughs> yeah, you know, a couple of their members are dead. Um, Professor X, I know one Professor X and their DJ, um, Sugar Shaft. Yeah, uh, he died, you know, oh. he died in a weird thing with the hospital. Well, he checked in the hospital and then somehow died or something like that. But Brother Jay, the, the, the main rapper, is still around. And he's still in the community and stuff. So uh, you know, uh yeah, but X Clan, they're they were uh, a great group that unfortunately people don't remember, but you know. I don't. Yeah. I'm people. And oh yeah. Well oh. um one of their, their great songs, Funkin' Lessons, Heed the Word of a Brother, and then they had this song called Fire and Ice on their second album, which is a, a classic, you know. So uh great stuff. Now, um, the 90s is also known for the Diddy-fication of hip-hop. You, know? <laughs> you know, like, Diddy, obviously, he helped bring us Notorious B.I.G., Biggie Smalls, right? Yeah. He also brought in the whole hater thing and, you know, the style and all of that kind of stuff. So on some levels, like you can't take away what he was able to accomplish and what he's still accomplishing, but also mm -hmm. he's left shrapnel around too. I'm not, you know. So what? What's your take on Diddy? Wow. Okay. With Diddy, I would have to. It's kind of all over the place with him. Yes, he did bring us good artists like you know Craig Mack, mm -hmm. which. He was his first artist that was on Bad Boy Entertainment. Right. He was the man. And then came the rest of them. So he did give us Craig Mack, gave us Biggie, Lil' Kim, Mary. He gave us some good wow. artists. But at the same time, he gave us a lot of good artists. It, and he gave us Faith Evans, which I love. However, 
<laughs> he couldn't keep he couldn't keep his his team together for right. for whatever reason because it seems like he he he's only focuses on like the main ones mm-hmm. and like the and then the other really great artists too but they may may not be number one they may be number two or three but they're still excellent in their own way he loses them and he loses sight and i think i think diddy he doesn't really because he got his hands here and there he he didn't really know how to manage his his people well and and some of them just left and then another reason he they say diddy don't pay Pay his artists. And you notice uh Jesus loves Diddy. I'm gonna tell you why. Because it seems like his artists, after dealing with him, they go right to the Lord. <laughs> so like I mean, you know, I mean, that's true. Yeah, like how many of them all of a sudden become like hardcore in the church after dealing with Diddy? Because uh, you know, Loom, Loom <laughs> is a Muslim. Right. He's a Muslim and he goes around talking about his life. And then Craig Mack, he was part of some cult before he died. Um, they said he was part of some cult, cult down south, I think in South Carolina. Right. Yeah. And then Mace is a minister. Right. So, yeah, like, I guess it's you mess with Diddy and then you go to Jesus. <laughs> you know, it's like the next step, right? <laughs> so, I mean, man, that's that's something else, yeah. Uh, I love uh, D in the chat room says because he was trying to be all in the videos, <laughs> uh, quoting, quoting um, uh, Suge Knight, uh, yes, from that 1990, I think, five source awards. I saw that, yeah. Oh man, that's so and that's so infamous even today, <laughs> yes. So, um, <laughs> um so okay, so we talked about Diddy. Uh now you mentioned Outcast. Now, do we have any people here from the South? Uh no, I don't think so. No one that claims the South. Okay, cool. So we can talk about them. Uh <laughs> um, the South started out so great. They did With ghetto boys, right? They're the South. So. Yes, ghetto boys, um, you know, outcast. Goody Mob. No, UGK before Outcast. UGK, Outcast, Goody Mob, uh, you know, TI's, you know, really good. And then Ludacris. And, you know, the South was really popping. And, and, I mean, but then they just, like, I don't know what, what happened. Like, they just got kind of silly with it. And they really kind of control the narrative of hip hop, even to the today. Yeah. Right now, even rappers that are from the East and West, they want to sound like they from the South. So what do you like, what's your take on the early part of Southern hip hop? And now. The early part of Southern hip hop, I really loved it because it was different. I felt that they were taking from the West coast, Mm -hmm. Putting a little southern flavor on it with some funk in it as well. And it sounded really good. And they were still, to me, you had a lot of lyrical southern rappers. And then I want to say when 2000 and, oh boy, maybe I want to say 2010, I think, Mm. possibly. 
or 11. It just seems like rap just started changing and it just started sounding. I can honestly say really within the past five, six years to me personally, rap from the South doesn't sound as good as it used to because you have all these mumble rappers that are not pronouncing words, not enunciating. They want, it's like they want to sound dumb and, and for lack of a better word, and I hate to say this, but they want to sound like a broken down, uneducated slave that just came <laughs> from the, the plantation. And it's like our, our ancestors who were in slavery, they didn't even want to talk like right. that, but that's all the English that they knew. And, 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 and they were, they were trying to better themselves, but they couldn't, but they didn't want to probably sound the way they did, but they had no choice, but they were still trying to better themselves. And it's like, now you have these Southern rappers now that, that don't care about how they sound, how they appear in public. Um, it's all about now about their likes, how many likes they're getting on Instagram, Facebook, uh, how many followers they have, uh, is it making them money? It's That's what it seems like. And I just don't want to say only Southern rappers, but it's now what the Southern rappers have did now, like Kente said, East Coast, West Coast are following following that mold like Migos. Everybody want to be like the Migos now. And granted, I like some of the Migos songs as far as like they have some good beats, but nine times out of 10, I don't even know what they're saying. Yeah. It, it, it is so funny that we got to this part of the discussion because uh, my good friend Ryan, who's in the chat room, uh, me and him, he's a younger guy. He raps as well. And uh, he, you know, we always argue about that. And uh, he tries to say, he said in his chat room that, uh, you know, the hibbity hop, you know, he tries to compare that to mumble rap. <laughs> and, uh, you know, um, it's not even the same, you know. And I see Aaron in the chat room as well. Okay. I, I don't think it's the same at all. I think, I think it's like, it's almost like saying when a baby is first born, and you try to use whatever was going on with the baby as some sort of, uh, you know, like, oh, well, well, you were boo-booing on yourself. Like, well, I was a baby, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right. I was boo-booing on myself. It was because I was a baby. But now I, you know, I went to the pull-ups and now I can wear big boy underwear, <laughs> you know? So I'm supposed to go back to the boo-boo in the diapers, <laughs> you know? <laughs> or, or maybe right before I'm about to go. I knew he was coming in. Uh, so, uh, so I feel like... What's up? So we're going to definitely get in a good debate here because uh, um, uh, Ryan, uh, that's something we go back and forth with. Uh, so uh, just kind of... Um, you want to do a quick um, chat room shout out, uh, Shannon, before we do that? Um, yep. Shout out to Dylan and Dean and Aaron and Monica. And then we've had a few that have stepped out of the room. I think Dre um, and the other Aaron was here earlier. Yes. So uh, just to reset, the conversation is uh, my guest, Miss Sheik herself, Malika Sheik, 
um, she is doing a series on why when she fell in love with hip hop, and we're talking about that as well. And then we're going to have a, a conversation too on uh, etiquette as well, which mm. I've been on the show as well. So um, uh, yeah, there is another Aaron actually, Aaron uh, uh, Riggs. The only one. So, but uh, you know, we we like uh, Mr. Wake Up better. So, uh, um, but uh, okay, so two thousands come right, and hip hop. I think early two thousands hip hop was still in a good space. Um, you, you still had some really good MCs that were doing their thing, and uh, you had some guys come up. Um, you know, where where do you feel like hip hop kind of took a right uh, left turn? You're asking me, or no, you, you, just you came no, online? you. Oh, okay. Um, I I think. In the 2000s or just in general? Uh, you, or you know what? You can do it in general, but uh, yeah. Well, if you want to take it back, I really think that hip hop took a left turn when they really started uh, just not respecting black women. Yeah. So oh, that would be in the 90s because you know it ain't no fun if the homies can't have none now i do have to say this even though i like that song but what does that mean you get what i'm saying we know what it means but what does it mean when you want to come out with a song like that and, and can, uh, I, can i say that it is fun if the homies don't have none. <laughs> so, can, I, can i put that out there I can have fun without the homies getting some too. Uh, okay. Uh, I hate that too because that beat is so dope. And, uh, you know, like the hook, you know, grandma's be singing. It ain't no fun. I'm like, oh man, grandma, don't sing that. <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah, no. I mean, you have a lot of old school rappers from the 90s now mm -hmm. saying, like, new rappers, they're whack. They're this and that. They should, you know, they 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 make rap sound horrible. Actually, I remember when Ice T said, and I don't exactly remember when Soldier Boy came out, but that's when they were saying Soldier, you know, when Soldier Boy came out, everyone was saying, oh, he's messing up rap. And I want to say that was what 2008, maybe or nine. I think Soldier Boy. And 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 so they want to blame rap being horrible now but you know rap to me took a left because oh, six. Oh. in in the 90s with and like i said even though it was a lot of rap that did downplay calling women bitches and hoes at the same time we would listen to it that was a left turn. Now the next level of badness is in rap, I feel, is this mumbleness. You're not pronouncing words, you're not enunciating, your your music don't even have a message. And and I think Diddy did that was part of that as well. Like he was with the crystal and the moed and glorifying the the I call it like uh living the high life rap. Right. And now 
just every song or every rap video you see right now it's it's not original it's all about oh they with their boys they're in the street they're in the club they're drinking it's girls twerking in bikinis by the pool in the room it's 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 all the same you you, you know one thing i noticed too is even when they have women in the videos and like the women are accessories more so than they're like together so it's like almost like your boys though you're hugging your homeboys but then the women right like, just there for something to do you know and um i think unfortunately it's kind of scary though that like younger people see it and then they you know that's kind of what they pick up on and a lot of us some of us had to grow up to realize you know how bad it is and i'm gonna say this real quick there was a woman named c dolores tucker who like when i was younger i used to think she was like the enemy right and as I got older, I realized that woman, man, we should have listened to her because she was she fought against decency in uh, in music and she took on a lot of this. And um, she was right. She was 100 percent right. And she deserves to be true. You know, we should treat her like the uh, the queen that she was. She's dead now. But um, it's a shame, though. Like now, when I look back and listen to what she was saying, that woman was a hundred percent right in what she was saying. So, um, but if you you know if you get a chance, just look up C. Dolores Tucker. Yeah, I wrote her name down. I'll look her up. And if I may, I just want to say this really quick. Mm-hmm. One thing I can say about the '90s and how it made a shift from positive to negative. At least in the '90s, we we may have the gangster rappers disrespecting women, but you still had the positive rap and you had the party rap as well. So we had, we, we, we had a choice. No one, no one sounded the same. You had different levels of rap, but nowadays you have pretty much rap all sounds the same. You only have a few that are original and don't sound the same like the Kendrick Lamar, J. Cole, Lupe Fiasco. But that's only a handful when in the 90s you had so much. And then I do want to, one last thing, sorry. Another reason why, you know, for maybe it's positive to some people or negative, but you got to probably uh, thank Uncle Luke for this. <laughs> he, he was the one who fought in, I think, right. 1991 or 92 he was the one who fought to be able to say whatever you want to say in your rap music without being arrested. Yeah. I'm fine. Yeah. He's, he is the grandfather or the godfather or whatever you want to call it of it. So, you know, for better or for worse. Yeah. Um, that was not a question. Sorry. Uh, is it always been like that? Um, oh, it's always been like that. Oh, okay. All right, my bad. I, I read that wrong. She it was a statement. Okay. Um so um for those who want to check out your um series, what can they expect coming from it? Well, coming from it, they're going to for I'm hoping for the most part, I'm giving someone some type of educational background on the rap timeline. And of course, I can't go over everything in rap, but I'm just going over main main um, 
things that have occurred from 1970 to 2004. That's where I'm, I'll be ending the series in the year 2004. And just picking out pivotal moments in rap when certain artists came out and I may go back down memory lane and talk about how that rapper made me feel, uh, what I remember about the music and the song and how it was during that time when that, that, that artist came out. So I just want them to be, get, get some little insight on the historical timeline of rap. Yeah. And that is so awesome because, you know, I'm a big hip hop fan and, you know, you know, that was what I grew up on and, you know, for better or for worse, you know, I still have a appreciation for it. And I'll tell you, one of the, the, the great moments in hip hop history was when the uh, Black Eyed Peas performed at the Super Bowl. And the reason why I say that is if you're from here, you probably saw them too when they were underground group, right? Around LA. I remember when they were underground but, and how they changed. Yeah. <laughs> um, and because I, I believe they might have been at WLCAC back then because they were a local hood group. A lot of people don't know that. And they they would um so they were like a real local group before they hit it really big. And before they before they added Fergie to the group, they were this really great, you know, group. I mean, not saying they didn't do anything good after that, but that was definitely a big change. Um, but to see this group that you saw locally perform, and you know they're from here, and they performed halftime at the Super Bowl and they killed it. You know, it was mm -hmm. a great moment, I thought, in his in hip-hop history that I don't know if people give it enough credit. But I think they're the only rap group to do to be the front the um the uh the main uh group at a halftime show. I don't think no other group has done that or or rapper. So yeah. oh. kudos to them. And I'm trying and I often think like what rapper or rap group could uh could do that, like would have that kind of gravitas. I would say what maybe what Jay-Z possibly. Jay-Z, of course. Uh, Eminem, uh, probably. Yeah, they would say Eminem, but I don't count. Him. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know, like, but I, I you know, it's very few. Outcasts when they were, like, in the Hey Ya, yeah. you know, with Speaker Box, they could have yeah. done it, you know. Yeah, they could have done it, definitely. So, you know, and, you know, so, and they need to make another album. What's wrong with them? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, um, I, know. That, that I know. All right. So, um, before, all right. And uh, we're going to talk about etiquette. Now, not etiquette in hip hop. Because uh, <laughs> some people saw it and goes, well, we're talking about hip hop etiquette. Uh, we probably should. But no, we're not doing that. Um, uh, and uh, so the reason why we're bringing this up is uh, as we said in the beginning of it, you used to teach etiquette, right? Correct. And what was just kind of tell us why you you um, decided to do that? Well, uh, I wanted to start a business. I didn't know what I wanted to do, so I was thinking about it. And at that uh, time, I was living in San Bernardino, California, mm -hmm. and I was just thinking and thinking, what could I do? Then finally, I started looking at the young teenagers that I was interacting with or that I would come into. And I was like, wow, 
and I don't want to just say young teenagers, I don't want to blame it on them, but just people at work as well, my coworkers, I was like, people are really rude. They just lost all sense of manners. It seems like if you're polite, you're considered a punk, you're, you're soft, a pushover. And I just saw that it was really lacking. And then as more and more, as I'm out in San Bernardino, I'm going to public places, whether it's at the mall, restaurant, I was getting tired of people like coming to you and they don't say, excuse me. And then they look at you like you're crazy. And it was just those little bitty things I saw. And then I was looking at uh, my friend's kids sitting at the dinner table. Don't have sense enough to know not to eat with your talk full. I mean, talk with your mouth full. Just simple things like that. I saw that were going by the wayside. And and these were people, you know, and I'll say this. These were my friends that have kids who they they have money. They're not poor by no means. And your kids have no etiquette. And then I'm thinking about my grandmother, how she grew up poor, her and her sisters. My parents grew up poor, but yet they knew the basic etiquette and taught me and my sisters. So I was like, I don't know where it went, but etiquette had went by to the wayside. So I felt this is where I could come in. And then I started trying to get into the churches, the school district, uh, but Unfortunately, I didn't have luck there. So I had one-on-one -on -one sessions at libraries and with the Girl Scouts and um, group homes for girls. Mm. Now, what were some of the um, the glaring things that you saw when you started to work with these young people? For one, I saw that they didn't even know how to properly introduce themselves. This is so basic. This is the problem, not even with the youth, but with adults. Yep. So when you first meet someone and if you're sitting down and they come into your room, office, whatever, and they say, hi, I'm Mr. Greg, you're supposed to stand up and shake their hand and say, hi, I'm I'm Miss Smith. Nice to meet you. They didn't know something simple as that. You so just a simple introduction. Right. You know, um, something that that is big in my family is, especially with kids, is when you come into a room and there's adults that you greet them, you know, you greet right. everyone. You don't just come in there with your attitude and you're on your phone or doing You actually come and greet everybody. And that's something that I don't see a lot of these days either. It's a lost art. Yeah. It is. So greeting was number one. And number two, they don't know how to dress for certain occasions. Mm. A lot of young girls think that wearing uh, fitting clothes is dressy. How can I say it? Wearing uh, fitting, revealing clothes to them, they feel is dressing up. Mm. But no. That's club gear, I should say. That's the only way I can say it. They feel that club gear is dressing up for work. No, you don't wear your club gear at work. Right. So I had to teach in the group home, and it's it's really sad because that's where they need it the most, the girls. Uh, they No one is teaching them how to dress for success mm -hmm. or how to dress 
as a lady on a daily basis. So it was a battle teaching them how to dress. Yeah, um, that's interesting that you say that about the um, not, you know, um, dressing like um, you're going to the club when you're at work. Uh, you often hear that same thing being applied to when you go to church as well. Uh, people yes. dress like they're going to the club when they go to church, which is uh, definitely not um, church etiquette as well. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's starting to become church etiquette, uh, or is, it, it is going that way. But um, can you kind of speak to why? Because a lot of times, you know, people say, well, I can do whatever I want. I'm a this and that. But can you speak to why? Um, that's not a good idea to dress like that going to your job <laughs> or or church to see Jesus. Okay. So when you're uh when you go to work, there is a dress code, believe it or not. There is a dress code whether you wear a uniform or not. Let's say so let's say you're not wearing a uniform. Your job has guidelines not only to protect themselves, but to protect you. So you sh if, if you're working in a business environment where it's business casual, let's say, business casual means wearing loafers, like uh, uh, flats. You can wear heels, but they should not be over two inches. You can't, and you wear slacks. You can wear nice blouses, but you shouldn't be showing your cleavage. It shouldn't be so low cut. You can wear nice skirts. But they shouldn't be no more than uh, two or three, no more than three inches above your knees, okay? And you could wear makeup, but you shouldn't be wearing so much makeup where you're going out to the club. You could wear earrings, but you shouldn't have these big old gigantic hoops and in your ears or just loud earrings. A, a lot of times people judge you on how you present yourself unfortunately let's just say okay that's you know you you feel like going to work in your leggings and your little half two top and three inch stiletto heels because that's you and that's how you are but you should never go to work like that because one people are going to not take you seriously they won't see you as being a professional they're going to, and if it's a man, he's going to think you're probably easy and is going to probably sexually harass you. Not to say he has the right to do that based upon how you're dressed. Uh, but unfortunately, men, when they see more of your body, they will start coming at you with those big goo-goo eyes, <laughs> unfortunately, or trying to make passes at you. And then you're going to have other women in the office they're going to start spreading rumors or talking about you because now they're feeling that you are, you know, you're coming to work just slutty. Right, right. And you could also lose your job. I, I've known people who have gotten written up on the verge of almost losing their job because they would not adhere to the dress code. Right. Um, let me ask uh, Shannon this question because you, Shannon is a, good young lady she, she was raised right um, <laughs> what is your what were some things that your mother talked to you about proper etiquette you know how to present yourself and all that 
Well, my mother didn't necessarily teach me a whole lot of etiquette. I mean, there were certain things that were just customary in our home, you know, not to talk with your mouth full. Um, and a lot of times I laugh because I see people doing it and I'm like, I do not need to see the inside of your mouth or what you're digesting. It's disgusting. Um, and that's kind of stuck with me to this day. So I kind of laugh the thinking of sitting around the table and we'd be like, can you finish your first before you continue this conversation? Um, always, um, what you said earlier about addressing people when you come into a room, um, regardless of where it's at, I still do that to this day. I mean, and even if it's as simple as just saying hello to everyone, you ain't gotta stop and ask how the kids is, but at least it's right. that they're present. Um, and you've walked into the space that they were there already. And open the door for people. Um, a lot of times people are like, I got it, I got it. I hold the door. We were taught that when we were younger, you know, get the door for me. Um, and you hold it and let people walk through it. You don't open it and then you walk through it and then hope they catch it on the way in. <laughs> right. So. Um, those are probably the few. Um, I mean, thank you, please. Basics and cover your mouth. I mean, people don't think that's etiquette, but yeah, cover your mouth when you cough. Like, but my biggest pet peeve, and I'm sure you're going to talk about this, is people who do not RSVP. <laughs> yeah. Biggest yeah. pet peeve to date. I used to be a wedding planner's assistant when I lived in Dallas. And I used to have, and all of my friends that have gotten married put me in charge of their wedding list. So when their invitations come back or their RSVPs come back, I'm the one that tells people, you did not RSVP, so you cannot come to reception. <laughs> I don't have a problem telling people, no, sorry, you are not, you can come to the wedding, because we don't actually have to pay for the count, the people that are there. But you will not come and get a plate at this reception. I guarantee you that. Right. I will take these pills off, put my bridesmaid duty on hold, and become a security guard real quick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't like none RSVP and people, yeah. People don't understand, like what what was so urgent or what was so more important that you just thought that you couldn't RSVP and then you're going to bring you all your 50 loving kids right. and you have RSVP? Right. That's, yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah. You, you know, another thing I don't like is when you go to a restaurant and they don't acknowledge you when you come in. Like, especially one of the ones that you like kind of wait before they seat you. <laughs> Anywhere, okay, the grocery store, when you shop and nail shop. Like anytime I'm spending my money and you don't acknowledge me, I'm about to walk right back out. Yeah, it's like you walk in and then they're just, and sometimes they'll be sitting there just looking at you, be like, you know, I'm like, really? Like, you know, like if, you know, if I'm owning a restaurant, I want, if when somebody walked in there, they they need to be feel welcome, you know? Yep. And, uh, you know, cause that, you know, you starting it off bad. You know, yeah. I mean, and yeah, it's like it's so much stuff. Like, it's funny when you look at old 
clips of you know the way society was at one point when it comes to customer service um it seemed like they we just it seemed like they it was understood more you know and i'm not sitting here saying everything was one it was just 100 percent great but it just seemed like they really they customer service was a bigger deal back in the day and it seems like now customer service is like you know it's just like uh we're gonna herd you in like cattle and then herd you out you know um and another thing i don't like too i don't know if this is etiquette or whatever we'll say business etiquette is i'm not tipping before i've had the service well (laughs) like i don't like that at all (laughs) because i don't know if it's gonna be whack you know and everybody doesn't deserve tips like the culture of what tipping was was for waiters and waitresses who weren't getting minimum wage now everybody got a tip jar at the counter and i'm like yo why what you need a tip for right you don't everybody that out. everybody wants a dang tip yeah it's ridiculous um and then then and then they they want it for not doing anything though that's the crazy thing that and, part you know that that's that's the thing that i it drives me nuts but I don't like to tip before I had the service. I, I am, you know, I will tip, but not before the service. Let me see what the service is going to be before, you know, I'm a shell out that money. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, that's, that's a, that, that's a whole other subject. Um, another thing is let's talk about um, date etiquette. Okay. Okay. So uh, we're going to be equal opportunity. We'll talk about, the men's as well as the ladies but uh um talk about some dating etiquette you've experienced uh of the negative uh from guys uh okay uh-huh. oh you have something else no to no say? no go ahead oh okay so one thing i don't like when i'm on a date is uh well, first, let me just say this. When I meet someone and we exchange numbers, I like to talk to a guy over the phone for about a good solid week or two just to see if I, I want to see where you're at over the phone. If you have a good head on your shoulders, I'm trying to figure out if you're a weirdo, basically, and if I should actually uh, meet up with you somewhere so you could have a chance to go out on a date with me. Right. So let's say you pass the test and we we go out on a date. What I don't like about, uh, I guess, well, you know, of course, I know they say a guy should open a door for you. He should uh, pull the chair, uh, you know, um, out for you and push you in, whatever. That's fine. That I don't care about, to be honest. (laughs) I don't really care about that. What Mm -hmm. I care about is a tone. And I've come to find out that uh, my own personal experience, that men that I've dated, I don't know you from anywhere. I'm trying to get to know you. But they all tend to have this kind of angry tone. And you could be like say for we're we're getting we're talking about something we're getting along well and then all of a sudden i may disagree with what you're saying i haven't raised my voice i'm just being opinionated like you were 
I listened to what you said. Now it's my turn. But because you don't like it, now the tone changes. And now you're trying to talk to me like I'm a child. Yeah. And um, I think that's and, and, and you know, I've had to call guys out on that. <laughs> I, I, I really had because uh, this one guy in particular, he always like we would go out and the first time he said it, I kind of let it pass. And we were talking about something and I just made a comment. Oh, I, I hate that how that looks. And he was like, hate. Why would you say hate? You shouldn't say the word hate. And sometimes you just let things pass. I let it go. We go out two days later. He says it again when I was talking about um, we were at dinner and I said I hated something. I don't know. And then his tone changed again. Like he was got mad and I had to call him out on it and how I did it. And he couldn't say anything else. And he stopped saying this to me. I said, hate is a good thing. It's always good to have hate because if we didn't hate anything, especially as black folk, we would still be enslaved today. And so <laughs> he shut up and let, let it go. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> he let it go. But guys, what I've experienced more than anything, they think that they could talk down to me. And I don't know, is it because it's used, they're used to talking to women in a, de in a, a demeaning way and they don't uh, correct their behavior? Is it because I'm short? You know, and, and some people think that, you know, you're short, you know, she, she's not a tall woman. I don't feel... Um, What's the threatened by her? You know, she doesn't seem to have a threatening attitude. So sometimes people tend to think they could come off a certain way. And then another thing that I'm finding as I've gotten older, and it's so weird, men are now uh, trying to ask for sex right off the back. <laughs> as I've gotten older, you would think that they're older, you would assume they're older, they would be more mature, be more uh, patient about progressing to that stage, but no. No, no, you gotta go right, yeah. that's what they're saying, is you gotta go right for it. I mean, that's what I've, I've read somewhere on the internet. <laughs> oh, really? No, uh, no, I, I feel what you're saying, you're like, you're really trying to get to know somebody and uh, they, you know, this guy is like, he's trying to get to know your drugs. So, right. <laughs> right. And it always seemed, and, and I could honestly say what this is 2019. So since 2013, uh, since I've been, um, you know, I guess you could say actively dating, so far in my experience, and I'm just speaking for myself, mm -hmm. it seems like that third date, they're just trying to like, okay, sex time. Hold up. No. Okay. There is an unwritten rule. There's an unwritten rule that you have to have sex by the third date or she's um, really interested in you. What? That is an unwritten rule. And there's a rule, there's a, that's a rule that a lot of guys live by. And, um, We've had people in our chat room who are women. I won't say their names. They're not here tonight. But uh, who said if he ain't trying it by the what is it the second date, he might be gay or something. <laughs> so like, 
So uh, um, there are a lot of women who do believe that if he's not trying, then they get friend zone too. So what, I mean, you know, sometimes you got to stick your hand in the cookie jar if not to get it slapped away. Right. So, well, they're not even trying to do that. They're just trying to be like full blown. I'm like, no. <laughs> so not even putting their hand in the cookie jar. They're just trying to steal all the cookies. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. And in this day and age with HIV and AIDS, and now they say chlamydia is back and gonorrhea, it's too much going on. And people, mm-hmm. you know, no, I mean, I love myself, number one. And at this point in my life, I'm not even tonguing anybody without an HIV test. Mm. Because it's just it's, it's just too much going on. No, that's probably a good idea. Uh, or they, they need to have, like, tongue condom. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, Nazim is in the room as well as Boogie. Um, no, and I don't I don't mean to sound like a prude, right. but it's just it's just too much going on. And, and and I feel a lot of these men, okay, I it's like, and I won't, you know, I could like I said, I can only speak for a woman's from a woman's perspective. I'm sure it's uh maybe women out there being the aggressor toward the man, and the man is like, hold up. <laughs> but I feel that, oh, and another thing that's lacking, mm-hmm. and this is where I stop where ta- dealing with the guy, your conversation, um, have some content to it. Yeah. A lot of times, and I'm not saying I'm this, this uh, intellect of, uh, you know, I have all the, the answers to everything and I know everything and I, and you don't know anything, but a lot of these men don't have good conversation okay. at all. Okay. Give me an example because I've never dated a guy. So give me an example of a bad conversation during the date. Okay. So I could be talking about asking him like what type of work he does. And he may start telling me, but then he's he gets very vague. Then I'll start trying to uh then I of course I'll talk about my uh work, what I do. I'll try to ask about his uh, upbringing, what school he went to, college, whatever. And it becomes, it's like he's annoyed in a way. How can I say it? He, you, you could tell that they don't want to talk about that. They don't want to bring up those questions. I mean, answer those questions. But I'm trying to find out information about you. And uh, those are floaters. Those are what I call floaters. What do you mean? They're they're shallow. They 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 they're not. They're um. What they want right now is not to go deep with you. Um. They either want to hit it and quit it. Um. They want a friend with benefits, or as my previous boss just said, a buddy. Um. And those things require them to dig deeper. Um. They have room for them to evaluate who they are and they're not really trying to feel that right now now what they're trying to feel is you so can we skip past all the questions and let me just hit that yeah, yeah. right I, I i see what you're saying but this is where i know when this person is not for me when they try to get past that yep. now i just want to put this out there i'm not trying to uh portray myself as 
something I'm not. But this is what I hate. I'm, I'm trying to have a serious conversation and then they want to interject and they want to say, oh, are, are you mixed? And I'm like, <laughs> what? Yeah, they always want to ask, am I mixed? And I and then my comeback is always, well, why would you ask me that? Um, don't I look black? Well, they want to say, and for those of you who can't really see, but my hair is, it's this is my hair. It's long. It's like in the middle of my back. Years ago, it used to be down to my butt. So I used to always have this issue when I go out on a date. And then when I sit up and say, uh, no, I'm black and black. And then they're like, they're like, well, then they, I feel now this is when I know this is not the guy for me because you're on this, this other level that I'm not on. And then they're like, well, you don't look at your skin tone, your hair. Uh, what does that got to do with it? We come in all flavors. Then I'm on, and I hate to say this, but then I'm on this, uh, what I call ebonic dumb conversation now with you about my facial features, my hair. Then they want, then that's when he want to be like, well, we're, what, you know, you got to have some white in your family or you got to have this. Then it becomes this dumb conversation. And to me, that's where I feel I'm being disrespected and where the etiquette is just gone. And I'm just, when they come with that line of questioning and it it it, it, it seems like it's been boiling down to that, I'm just done. Mm -hmm. Now, Boogie asked a great question. He wants to know what attracts you to these guys that you have these bad dates on. Like, what, what do you think it was that, that that got you to a point where you went out with him? Well, like I when I'm on the phone, we have good conversation. Mm. It's it's it. You seem normal. Then when I go out with you, the first date seems okay. The second date, you know, I'm like okay. Some of them, well, one more chance. But then the third one, I definitely know what's up. And then it's you know, it's it's a it's a done deal. But but isn't it kind of disrespectful if by the third date he doesn't try to have sex with you? I don't think <laughs> so. You gotta at least try. I'm not even thinking. I'm not even thinking about I wanna be in bed with you. Um I, more than anything, you know, if I, I'm like, oh, he's handsome, he's nice, blah, blah, blah. But I'm not even third date, and the way I personally for myself, I can't even begin to think like that because I don't know anything about you. I don't even, yeah, you haven't been even tested. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you, you, gotta, you gotta kick the tires before you know if you need to um, replace them or not. So uh... <laughs> I, it's, I have a different way of dating. I just, I, I'm, I'm different. Before, I'll just, just put it out there since we're talking about dating and these guys trying to go for third base. For me to even think about, oh, well, I'm going to sleep with this guy. It's going to at least be about three to four months before I even start thinking about Four that. months? Yes. What if Jesus comes back before that four months? That's a long time. Four months? No, it's not. No, it's not. That's long. No, it's not. Because I don't know anything about you at all. You could be married and lying and have a whole lot of kids here and there. 
Well, I mean, four months though. No, that's not long, Kente. That's long. That's a uh... all right. Go to prison for four months and see if that's long. <laughs> well, hey, prison and going without sex are two for four months are two different things. Uh, that's a no sex prison. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, we have some questions. Uh, uh, <laughs> Kiana's getting on me. Uh, let's see. He wants to know, do you know what you are looking for and what attracts? No, we, we said the what, what attracts. Man, well, I had to say it just, you know, for, you know, I had to present the other side, um, quote unquote, my side. But uh, um, uh, let me ask this question. Um, let's talk about relationship etiquette. Okay. okay. I kind of brought the situation to you um, earlier. And um, I, I uh, okay, so here's the situation, right? And uh, before you answer, I want Shannon to answer this first. Okay, so, okay, so you you got a man, Shannon, right? Uh, this is your boyfriend, not some guy you just sleeping around with. You're at, <laughs> this is your man. This is your man, man. Let's play and, right now. All right, all right, right. So, um, and then he goes. Let's say he goes out of town for whatever reason, and you're out and about like you, you like you do in the middle of the night, and your car stops. Right, and the closest person to you, by far, is your ex boyfriend, who you know wants to sleep with you. Are you? Would you be out of pocket for hitting him up and? Um, helping you with your car issue first off that would not be my issue because i have triple a but to answer your question mm-hmm. um you would definitely be out of pocket that is inappropriate okay all right all right well, all right what do you think about that situation is it is it bad etiquette to do that in a relationship Yes, I, I think that is. That's bad etiquette. And just like Shannon, I have AAA. I've had it since 97. <laughs> so I would, there would be, never be a need for me to do that. But it it is because then your, your man that you're with, your current man is going to feel like, well, why are you calling this dude? You have more trust in him to help you out than me. And you know he wants you. So that would just be totally taboo. Okay, so we in agreement. It, press one in the chat room if you agree with the ladies in the in here. Press two if you would you would call that X. Um, okay, everybody says one. All right, so here's another situation for a guy. So okay, Shannon's man. Would you keep using Shannon? Shannon's man. Um, now this is her man, man, not some guy she's just messing around with. Um, he has a beautiful quilt cover on his bed, right? It's bomb. It just happened to be done by his ex-girlfriend. Um, that's the one who does it. Is is it bad etiquette in a relationship for him to keep the quilt that was done by his ex-girlfriend, or should he uh throw it in the barbecue pit? Or, go ahead first, Shannon. <laughs> It, it depends. And the only reason why I say it, it depends, and he's not on the show, so you won't mind me saying it out loud. 
Um, I'm seeing someone whose last significant other has passed away. Okay. Um, and so it depends. I mean, at the end of the day, some things are sentimental for a reason. And it doesn't mean that they at home pining away waiting for this person to return. Um, but yeah, it depends. I'm not going to say everything needs to be thrown away. Now, if y'all still got some history and there are some problems with that in terms of y'all current relationship, yeah, you might need to take that and send it on over to your mama's house. <laughs> All right, absent, absent she's dead, let's say she's alive and well. Is that is that bad? You think you think there's bad etiquette for the guy to keep the um I mean how many women keep their ex's hoodie? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what do you think, Miss Sheik? <laughs> um, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, after all, it's just a material thing. I mean, I'm gonna tell you. You are not giving up anything any of my exes gave me. I kept all jewelry and I still wear it. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I I would not give up anything because you feel that my ex bought it. I mean, if I'm not in contact with this man, I'm not in contact. But if it's something that someone bought me, I'm keeping it. All right. And, and put one in the chat room if you would keep if they can keep the quilt put two in the chat room if you think they should burn the quilt okay so um all right uh i've talked about this uh quite a bit on the show so shannon will know what i'm talking about um is it okay to have in a relationship a friend of yours not that you have a kid with them or not they're just someone that you used to have a sexual relationship with this is someone that you um, still hang out with and all of that stuff, but you're in another relationship. Is that bad etiquette to um, keep that as a friend while you're in a serious relationship? You go ahead first, Mashik. Okay, because I was going to say. Oh, uh, uh, that's hard. That is, that's hard. Um mm. Because one, it was a friend before I met you and we're no longer uh, sexually involved. And I feel, you know, I'm just me. If I tell you up front, yes, this was some person I used to be in a relationship with, but no longer we're friends. And if this is a good friend, then that person is going to be around. And if you're not mature enough to handle our friendship, then I think you would need to get on. But I would of course, let you know up front and be honest about the situation. Yeah, we had a past, but now we're just friends because everyone has had a life before you came into mine, you know? Referred to that as the ghost of Dick Pass. <laughs> you kind of hovering around, you know, waiting to, to come back sometimes. Um, and sometimes you see things that your mate doesn't see, right? So, and sometimes they'll do things when you're not around that he'll see. And you're like, you know, like, you know what I'm saying? Cause a lot of times they're really trying to put a, a monkey wrench into your, your situation. They may not do it directly in front of you, but they'll do it. They'll do little underhanded stuff. So uh, I don't know. I think keeping the, the ghost of vagina or 
not the best thing to do if you want a relationship to, uh, you know with someone else i don't know what about you shannon um would you would you have an issue with uh his ex? not baby mama or just talking about an ex they don't have nothing tying them together but their past yeah we have an understanding um anybody you screw snippet cut it bye unless we all friends and, and i know what level if, if i if i know them and i know their character and i don't like it they gotta go it's just a reality see you later adios bye <laughs> My thing is like you got to do things to nurture and foster a ship. Those things go the opposite. Like, is it really that necessary? You know, like if you really want to make the thing work, I'm not saying you got to jettison those people out, you know, to another one or something. But you know, you got to think about it. Is that really the best thing? You know. So, but um, I digress. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, so let's talk about etiquette and relationships, how you talk to your mate, right? Um, let's talk about, let's talk about how women talk to men, right? And to do stuff, right? Uh, the honeydew list never stops. <laughs> and I feel like most men who are not crazy, they get it. You know, there's a honeydew list and, you know, sometimes you got to do things maybe you don't want to do, whatever. But sometimes ladies can drive us nuts <laughs> with the way that they want you to enact their honeydew list or whatever. Um What's like some good etiquette for women in relationships to get their men to be more amenable to maybe some things you want him to do, right? Like maybe the, the squeaky door you want fixed or, you know, or whatever. Right. So what, what would you say? Like, is, what's a good way you think to communicate that in a way that maybe, you know, he will not take it negative? Mm. Well, I think first you need to, when you want him to do some, do that honey-do list, first you need to kind of set the scene of, you need to uh, make sure you're, you're cooking him nice meals or lunches and maybe make sure the day you want him to do it, give him a, a good massage and just be sweet. <laughs> and then when it's, when it's time when it's time to ask him and make sure, you know, you want to do this a week in advance. Make sure you, you fed them well every day, a whole week, massaged them, sex them up good. <laughs> <laughs> and then when you ask him, don't make it seem like he has, don't, don't tell him to do it first. Don't tell him, ask him in a nice way where it doesn't seem like it's a chore. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and don't ask him to do it on a day that you know if he's in sports that football is going to be on all day or basketball is going to be on. You know, you need to ask him to do it when it's a, a time frame when 
none of his sports programming is on or his his show and be respectful and mindful of that and i think when you you are and the way you ask him and even say you know well if you need my help i'll help you as well you know sometimes if you offer to say hey you know maybe he wanted his one his friends to come over and help him say hey you know you could ask so and so to come over and help you i'll buy y'all some beer or something <laughs> Okay. All right. See, I like that. That that you know what? And that will get it done. That will definitely get it done. I'm I agree. But now here's something hard. You gotta give guys advice. Oh boy. So guys a guy's Shannon. He <laughs> loves Shannon, right? He loves Shannon. Shannon is amazing. He thinks he's an she's an amazing woman. But Shannon came home with a hairdo that's not doing it for him. You know, he normally likes her her quirks where she just all of a sudden changes up. But this one is not the business. He really doesn't like it at all. So, so how do you communicate it, you know, in a way where she won't get upset with you? Uh that Shannon, this hairdo, I'm just not feeling it. Um, you know. Or is it or is it bad etiquette to even, you know, I mean, it is her hair. Ooh, that's a tough one because a woman's hair saying you don't like her hair that's like saying you know baby i look like you didn't put on 20 pounds <laughs> that's hard but it's a good good question i think what he should say before he says anything i think he should say uh you know oh i see you got your hair done something to the effect oh how you feel about it ask her how she feels about it you like how do you like how it looked? And then if she say, yeah, and then you could just ask her, oh, well, what made you get your hair in that, that type of style? And then um, she may have a comeback, of course. And then you could say, oh, okay. Say, well, I uh, ask her, what was she, what type of look was she trying to go for? And then she comes back with the response and say, oh, okay. I see why you got your hair like that. But then he may want to comment and say something to the effect like, you wearing your hair in that hairstyle, it takes away from the beauty of your your eyes or your eyebrows. Yeah. Or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. All right. <laughs> what you think about that shit? <laughs> <laughs> She's been cussed out. Right. Oh. And this is just me. I, I do this all the time at work because, you know, we try to empower people to make decisions that they want to make. But I would be like, you know what I really enjoyed the most is when you wore your hair up in those curls. It doesn't say that I don't like what you got going on now. It just says that right. my favorite opposed to because now you didn't psychoanalyze my decisions. <laughs> you didn't ask me about my thought process as if I'm crazy. <laughs> and you What was you going for? What was that? <laughs> Look, so you didn't, so you insulted my intelligence. You think I, I ain't got no good sense. And then, then you pretty much told me my hair was ugly. So tomorrow, when I come back to the beauty shop to have them chop it all off, 
I'm going to cut you. <laughs> that was a tough one, Kente. I didn't know how to come without well, you. Know, I mean, it, okay. Believe it or not, it, it's a big deal. Like, there's a lot of times where, you know, um, you know, a lot of guys, some guys are just, you know, they don't care. They're just going to say, hey, what's up, Brad, who just came in there? But, you know, there's a lot of times where a guy is just not feeling what she's doing, but they don't want to get cut. So, you know, they're like, how can I, you know, say this? Or some just just say, okay, that's what she's doing. I guess that's what she's doing. For, hopefully that trend will, you know, maybe this is just a week-long thing, you know. So I like Trent's answer. Yeah, but, like, you know what, though? You know, y'all will definitely tell us it ain't working and feel nothing about it, too. Like, you know, our, our uh, feelings be damned. <laughs> Okay, like you wearing that shirt? Like, yeah, I mean, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, sometimes y'all be doing the absolute most. Like a friend of mine at church, he had on um plaid on the bottom and like a paisley print on top. And I was like, yo, Gina, come get your husband. What is happening <laughs> right now? And he has a personality like mine. So we kind of mm-hmm. just put stuff together and we don't care who got a problem with it. But he was low-key like, really, Shannon, you don't like my outfit? And I was like, yeah, nah, bro. You should actually leave church right now and go home and church. Mm. And I think I hurt his feelings. But mm. oh, wow. I mean, what it is. At the end of the day, yeah. if you are with me or I'm with you, I mean, and that's like friendship accountability. Like, how many times have we, and this is probably more so for um, the lady, not you, Kente. Um, how many times have we been out somewhere and we've seen girlfriends together and you see that one girlfriend and you'd be like, well, why would you tell her that that wasn't okay? Right. Like, they saw her and they were probably all in the mirror talking about how cute they were. And did nobody mm-hmm. have her to tell her, sis, you about seven pounds more than that five pound bag that you just stuffed yourself in. You know what I'm <laughs> right. So <laughs> so the the last etiquette uh situation I want to bring up as far as um relationships is um the parents of the person that you're with. Um We love our mates' family, right? And, you know, <laughs> mama's cool, daddy's cool. We don't like them, right? I mean, we really don't right. like them. So, it's respectful to your mates' family, especially their parents, right? Especially yeah. if, they're, if they're not doing But okay, I don't like. Let's say I don't like her mama, right? Being around her, her voice gets on. Just when I hear her voice, ugh. And uh, I'm going to mom with me. I mean, no. Uh, you know, I gotta walk. On. You know. Uh, Wait. Huh. 
You were breaking up. I didn't All catch I you. Was you want to walk your turtle? Why are you walking the turtle anyway? No, that's the that's, a, that's the BS <laughs> the excuse when you want to get out of something. Right. <laughs> so, like, your family, especially parents. Um, like you're breaking up. Oh, am I breaking up really bad or something? Yeah, but don't yeah. crash because then you'll take the recording off. I don't like their parents. Parents. Okay. So navigate that. Um, you want me to go first, or you mm -hmm. already have the answer? Go ahead, Shannon. Um. Well, for me, I think there is a level of there's a difference between respect and um, tolerance. I think at the end of the day, if you are committed to being with somebody, and I mean committed like we're going to do this thing our life together, um, there are people that you need to respect, and there are some people that you just tolerate. Um, as it relates to parents, there's a fine line. You should be respectful to them for the season that you have them in. Um, however, if you are this person's spouse, and every time y'all go over there for a Thanksgiving or a Christmas or whatever, and they put your spouse down, yeah, there ain't gonna be too many of them times. I'm just gonna tell you that right now. And that's where my tolerance levels have thrown respect out the window. And I mean, in a sense, I'm gonna respectfully tell you what you're not gonna do to my husband no more. And then I'm gonna tell them to have a good night in no uncertain terms and walk out the door. All right, I like it. I like it. All right, All right. so, um, Miss Sheik, uh, I don't know, has that ever happened to you where you where you're breaking up? Um, has it can you hear me? Yes, now, okay. okay. Have you has it ever happened to you where you were with somebody and you didn't like their folks? Yes, it has. I was dating a guy and his mother did not like me at all. And it was so weird. Um, I'll just tell this brief story. So this is when I was in college and my uh, major was nursing. And he told me, he after we had been dating for about a month, he wanted me to meet his mother. And I said, okay. And his mother was a nurse, but she was the LVN. At the time I was going to school to be a RN. He said, whatever you do, don't tell my mother that you're going to school to be an RN. And I was like, why? He said, just don't do it. I go over there. We're talking because she, she made dinner. We we were having a good time. And I just got caught up in the moment. Okay. And so she started asking me, well, what are you going to school for? And I said to be a registered nurse. And as soon as I said it, the guy was dating. He gave me that look like did not like. So right away. You just said Candyman five times. <laughs> <laughs> so needless to say, after that night, uh, when I went over like two more times after that, she was disrespectful. She was what they say. She was real salty towards me for whatever reason, because I was going to now because I wanted to be a nurse. So she was being extremely disrespectful, like how she would look at me, the type of conversation she would have towards me. And um, I 
just stop going over there. I stopped, for example, let me get tell you what she asked me. So, oh, oh, guys, my battery is running low. Oh, shoot. Uh -huh. I got it plug in. Uh -huh. So, but basically, she, I used to always wear my hair in a French roll. Mm -hmm. And I go over there. This is like after I had told her I was going to be a registered nurse. So this is the first time afterwards. And so we're over, I'm over there, we're talking. So she was like, Oh, I like your hair. I'm like, thank you. And so she said, Well, uh, since your hair is in a French roll, how are you able to have sex with your hair like that? Uh. Yes, you did. <laughs> yes. Yes, she did ask me that. I would have been like, honey, let me tell you how me and your son get down with the get down. <laughs> so, yeah, and her son, his mouth dropped because he couldn't believe she asked that question. And I, you know, hello? Yeah, yeah, you're here. Uh oh, we uh -oh. lost. Wow, man! Don't say you an RN, cause gee, man, listen, I wish somebody would. Excuse me, I just saw this kid <laughs> eating some food like he ain't never ate a meal before. <laughs> uh oh, uh, we lo lost her. Um, so uh, as we wait for Mashik to come back in, I want to recognize. Uh, I see Artis in the chat room as well. Uh, where you go, Kente, you disappeared as well. Um, uh, if you can see me in the chat room, press one in the chat. I can see you. Oh, hey, Artis. Two. Uh oh, Boogie can't see me. You might need to refresh, you guys, if you can't see me. Um, uh, uh oh, Malika. All right, so, um, we are running out of time. So what we're going to do is uh, we're going to um, what we're going to do is uh, Shannon, how can we get you in social media and all that good stuff? Social media, i.e. Uh, IG, Facebook, and Twitter. Shannon Ford, like the president, hyphen Jefferson, like the president. And what about you, Kente? How can we follow you? You can get me at Kente F. On Twitter, Kente Ferguson on Instagram, and of course the website is indieradio.org. Um, and you can follow Miss on uh Instagram. I'm putting it in the chat room, but I also will say it. Uh it's um underscore PMS247 underscore is her handle. And you can get her uh her series on why she loves hip hop. And um, I'm, I was hoping that before, you know, we can have a proper goodbye, but, you know. Um, uh, okay, so um, I want to thank everybody for coming out. Uh, you know, I'll stay here for a minute just to get her uh, back on. But um, I want to thank uh, Malika, and uh, we'll see you not next Monday. We'll actually be here for Tuesday. So that'll be a lot of fun. Next so, Tuesday. Uh, all right, you guys. Peace. Bye.